Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello. Oh my gosh, Keegan is starting off the episode. I know. What's up? It's so weird. Like, it's good. But you know what? I was gone for a whole month Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel like a month. Like, I thought that it was going to feel like forever, like it was going to take so long. And really it didn't feel that long and it feels like I'm just like right back in the swing of things right back into my routine basically that's, that's the thing about our routine I think especially during um the pandemic where it is very easy for us to to get back into that routine because I even found myself hitting record and then holding my finger up to the microphone ready to like tap it to make sure that we get our sound synced up when right. I haven't had to do that in a very long time you know so right. um it was yeah and that was the other thing like I saw a whole month of having to do this by myself and seeing that as being like a much more daunting task than it turned out to be. I actually had so much fun. Like I really enjoyed the process of doing it by myself, of course, but also really missed having you to converse with, especially for the mini episodes. I didn't really have anybody to like banter with. Oh, man, I can imagine because like, especially in these times with the news, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can always relay the news, but it does help to have like conversation and have somebody else bringing something to the table. But I'm so I'm so glad that you had a good experience while I was gone. I'm so happy that you held it down, man. I'm grateful that I had you here to thanks, girl. Thanks, girl. Well, I want to know how your month was. I listeners, I don't really know. I talked with Keegan. I texted her a few times in the beginning of her trip essentially just to make sure that like she was okay emotionally and like you know doing all right and checking in and then after a while I was just kind of like all right I'll see her when she gets back so I really don't know what you've been doing at all Keegan well it was kind of a whirlwind trip like I said it went so much faster than I was expecting Uh, and I did tell the listeners before I left but the reason why I was away and the reason why I was in Missouri is because I was working with um, Black Lives Matter and also local theaters in Springfield where I'm from um, because we are forming this Black Arts Alliance with um, some of the theater companies and arts groups in Springfield so I did manage to meet and sit down with like the biggest local theater company in Springfield and we've worked out a deal which I'm very excited about Um, so we will be putting up shows every single February starting this February in one of their spaces so I know we have one listener who fits this description but if there are others if you or someone you know is a black artist whatever that means to you right and you are in the southwest Missouri, meaning like Springfield, Branson, Joplin, those areas, um, and you are interested in maybe participating in a show or joining our alliance in some way, or you just want to hear more, or if you are in that area and maybe you are a um, non-black ally who wants to volunteer your time, um, please email us at blackartsswmo at gmail. 
com. So um, we can also put that in the show notes or wherever, or you can reach out to me on my personal Instagram, Keegan.Winfield, and I will fill you in, connect you wherever. But um, we're getting that show going immediately <laughs> because we yeah. don't really have that much time, right. actually, to put it together. Are you uh, going to be going back in February to help put it on? Right now, that's the plan. That I mean, we'll awesome. see. I, I'm going to try and artistic direct the entire... We're doing a showcase, basically. Um, and I, I want to do, do the artistic direction for the show. Right. So ideally, I could be there, but it's really going to depend on COVID restrictions. You know, right. things are spiking again. And yeah, um, February, we'll is, February is a long way away, especially right now. You know, it's it's hard, you know, even with family, my mom wanting to come to California. And it's just like, you know, I don't know what the numbers are going to look like. I don't know what's going on. You know, we right. can't we can't we don't even know what it's going to look like next week. I mean, I believe it was yesterday where we hit 100,000 in a you day know, cases in a day right. you know it's getting it's getting intense and it's just going to get worse during the winter obviously but then you know maybe maybe by february i guess missouri is pretty cold we'll still see. in february I mean, we'll see i'll i'll kind of play it by year i mean right now i'm kind of going on faith like i'll probably buy a ticket and then just get the insurance on it yeah um, so that i can cancel it if i need to but yeah cases are spiking everywhere i mean cases are spiking in Missouri as well, like in these kind of hardcore. My mom went to Kansas last week for a wedding and I was like, what are you thinking? Because it's like the Midwest right now is just a hotbed for coronavirus. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's a wild experience. It's, too a, it's a hotbed for coronavirus and for Trump supporters, I swear. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, and it's, it is it is a wild experience. Like there is a bit of culture shock, I think, whenever you come from somewhere like Southern California and you really if you travel anywhere outside the coast. Um, but it, it was interesting to see like everyone wore masks for the most part. And I saw a couple of people who were like, no, and you can't make me. Right. Um, but everyone, for the most part, wore masks inside at grocery stores or whatever. Um, that didn't seem to be like a huge, huge issue. However, people were out way more than they are here. Yeah. Um, you know, like, it, it did not seem to really be affecting people's day-to-day lives as far as, like, if you drive somewhere in Los Angeles, the traffic is significantly better than pre-pandemic, right? Right. If you drive in Springfield right now, for instance, it's the same. <laughs> like, it's the same as it was yeah. before. From, People are basically... Yeah, just from what I've seen on social media, it seems like the Midwest might be a bit more like people are going out to bars and restaurants yes, more. Like outside, hundred. obviously, but like a lot... Like, oh, no, no. Mm-mm, girl. Oh, inside they too? They inside. Oh, oh they gosh. inside. Yes. I mean, not that not from what I'm seeing, but I do, I do believe you on that. But yeah, I mean, it's... I think there's just a different understanding of how dangerous it is, especially in people... Well, I, sh- I should say that, you know, a lot of older people I've found have a harder time understanding the risks. But also, I've noticed that a lot of younger people are just kind of like, ah, fuck it. Like, we're still going to do the things that we right. really want to do, mean, you know? And I have to say, like, it's it's not wise, of course, to be be like that. But there is so much, like, misinformation that I think that people get tired of trying to figure out like what the right thing to do is so they're just right. like well I'm just going to do what I want to in Springfield particularly like Springfield is a um 
college town. So when I walked around, like you can't reopen colleges and expect like 18 year olds not to throw parties and get together. Like they're going to do it. <laughs> like, and they were like, there were, I walked around downtown one night with my mask on outside and, um, the college kids were in the clubs, man. They were in the bars. They were having parties. I could see their parties because my parents live on, you know, frat row. You know, <laughs> that's Greek street. pretty funny. It's just, yeah, that's where people are at. They're like, well, I just don't care. Yeah, <laughs> pandemic fatigue is real. And I think that that's where most of Americans have hit right now, which is really upsetting because it's not the time for that. Like, it's it's really not the time to be going out unless you really have to. And I think that's the thing that's really bothering me is it's people's uh, priorities, I guess, for leaving the house just don't line up with what I think is going to take this virus down quicker. You know, it's like I just feel like we're prolonging this whole this whole pandemic so much by continuing to go out and see people like we're just not getting rid of it any sooner because y'all can't get your shit together and wear masks and stay apart from each other but whatever um I feel like we need to get talking about the election a little bit you know we don't have anything really clear at the moment and it's hard for us right now I think to report on what's going on with the election because we are recording uh, 7.45 uh, Pacific time on Thursday. So between now and tomorrow morning, Friday morning, when this is uploaded, I'm sure that there will be different updates and important 100%. things going on. Oh, yes. 100%. Um, so I wanted to really talk about some of the things that we know for sure have gone on. And I, I don't know about you, but I didn't really take even a whole lot of notes. I've just been watching the news since I got up this morning till now. Um, and the one thing that I really wanted to talk to you about, Keegan, was Trump's speech that he made. <laughs> oh, I didn't watch that. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Oh, um, yeah. I- Anthony called me in. He's like, Trump speaking. Do you want to watch it? And I was like, no, I don't. I'll watch the highlights on Instagram later. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> well, and it was exactly what I thought it would be. It, it's the same shit that he's been saying. It's the same shit we knew he was going to say. And it's the stuff that he said he was going to say yeah. before the election even happened. Yeah. So. It's, it's for, for those of you who didn't watch or for those of you who are not from the U.S., uh, Trump's real big thing is trying to convince America that there is voter fraud happening because of mail-in voting, and that's something that he has been talking about um, for months, which is why his base has been voting in person, and that's why, you know, like we've said on the show as well, why, you know, it was appearing that Trump was doing better at first, and now Biden is kind of starting to come up as they're counting these mail-in Right, votes. so we did do a live on Instagram on Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, when the election votes were starting to come in and everything looked really red. Yeah. And so um, what Madigan's referring to is that we said during that live was like, a lot of Trump voters or Republican voters voted in person. And oftentimes, and this doesn't entirely make sense because they had a lot of the absentee ballots for a while and they should have been counting them. Um, but oftentimes they will count the in-person ballots first. Right. So there was a, a huge surge um, where it looked like everything was red and Trump was doing really well. And, you know, something that I really tried to stress to people was like, hey, don't don't freak out right now because most likely um and this is what we have seen the mail-in votes are going to be counted later and those are overwhelmingly like something like 85 percent right um of the mail-in votes lean democrat so right and in trump's 
mind and what he is telling his base and telling the country that any of the mail-in ballots are not legal. He says that if you look at the legal votes, I win easily. That's what he's been saying. So That's not how this works, It's my not dude. how it works. And, you know, it's funny. I've only, I think I've noticed just one comment. I haven't been on Instagram too much today, although I think my story posting would suggest otherwise. But somebody, I think, did comment saying, like, everybody knows the Dems are, like, creating all this fraud and things like that. And I was just like, where is this coming from? Because uh, the other thing that I was screaming at the TV was when Trump was talking about um, the lack of transparency. That's something that a lot of Republicans are saying is that there's a lack of transparency in the counting. And it's there like, are Democrats and Republicans who are doing the counting. There are both sides are doing the counting. Like that's always how it's been. For example, in Georgia, that's one of the things that the people who are protesting outside of the Georgia polls are saying that, you know, it's it's fraudulent, you know, they're not letting people in, but they have a Republican governor. They have Republican, Mm -hmm. you know, so they're not, they're not speaking with all of their, with all the information, but they're being loud enough to get people riled up. And everybody is appalled by Trump's behavior and the things that he is saying even fox news like everyone is like this is a threat to our democracy you know the one thing i will say is i feel like a lot of republicans aren't being vocal enough which is what i was gonna say i'm like where's like max okay what's going on with bush like is he okay because he's been super quiet during this entire campaign like i'm wondering if his health isn't good or something because Bush i just wants to much. hang out and paint his pictures he's I like know i don't he does but he i don't know i i you all know i'm not a bush fan but i do believe that he at least would say something in support of biden if he was capable of doing so well, i don't know there's i worry whether about or him not, whether or not he would say something in support of biden for me it's more of a thing of like coming out guys. against trump Well, or just the fact that Trump is actively undermining our democracy, our democracy. So even if you don't want to come out and be in support of Biden, even if you don't want to come out and like anger your fellow Republicans or whatever, you can come out and say that this is an anti-democratic thing this person is doing. Right. It's it's authoritarian and it's very, very scary. Well, yeah. It's it's extremely scary. And so... And they're... and some people are saying that, you know, like you said, Fox News is is saying things like some that. Of them, but I wish yeah. some of them. But I, I wish that there were more influential figures from the yeah. Republican Party coming forward and actually making some statements, even if it's a tweet, even if it's just a quick statement online with someone that they're interviewing with. This is the time for what I would like to call real Republicans, like real, like just yes. conservatives, co- you know, real conservative Republicans mm-hmm. that are not Trumpsters uh, to come forward at, for the sake of democracy democracy in in support in some way not necessarily you know saying joe biden's name or anything like that but being in support of what he's saying and what he's saying is to count every single vote and that's how it's always been so the fact that they're saying that you know what i was saying earlier about the transparency and i had to ask max maxis i was like was there a time in the past where like there was more transparency like was there a window that the public could look into because i'm pretty sure there wasn't like this is exactly how the voting process has gone 
forever. But the problem is Trump is an idiot and he has no idea how right. the process actually goes. Yeah. Anything, and we knew this from the beginning, like anything that was a threat to him personally and his ego was not going to be something that was accepted. I mean, this is a man who actively tried to like open a court case because he lost, even though he won the office of the presidency, right. he lost the popular vote and he couldn't sit with that because yeah. he's a narcissist and it got under his skin. So he tried to open a court case to prove that he actually won the popular vote. This is right. someone, you know, and, and at that point, any sane person would be like, fucking let it go. You've already won. You've won. But yeah. that's not how he operates. It's just not the way that his brain works right. whatsoever. And like, well, I, I did think it was interesting when I was in Missouri. My brother is a, you know, he's political science minor or major. Yeah, political science major. And um, very smart. And he's conservative. And he's... And we had lots of talks while I was there. Yeah. And he is a never-Trump conservative. Because he can see (laughs) that this is actually bad for the Republican Party. It's actually bad for people with actual conservative values. Like, it's... And the fact that he's completely undermining our democracy, that should scare everybody. That should worry everyone. And if it doesn't, then you're a cultist to Trump. You're not a Republican or yeah. a conservative. That's exactly. It. And that was the thing about, you know, I was talking to Keegan about, uh, you know, doing research for all of the bad girls on my own and things like that. Phyllis Schlafly in particular, but learning about her was so fascinating to me because she really was at the helm of this um you know, extremist right wing movement in the Republican Party. Like she Mm -hmm. has so much to do with that, Um, along with, you know, other racist societies like the John Birch Society, which she was also a part of, so on and so forth. But this has been something that has been kind of a shady secret of the Republican Party for so long. And they've just been gaining power slowly, secretively, I feel like for so long that now they don't have to be they don't have to be quiet they don't have to be that anymore like i almost feel like it should just be another party because to me that isn't the republican that i grew up with that's not the republican well, that i know in my family it's not for me either however i do think that it needs to be said and this is a good way to a good time to segue into this you know i think that with the polls kind of got us all thinking that there was going to be this massive landslide, this huge blue wave. And it was going to be um, this thing where we all rose up and said like, Oh, fuck Trump. You know what yeah, I mean? I didn't um, believe and that for a second. That's not what we saw. <laughs> yeah. And what we saw was 55% of white women in this country yeah. voted for Trump. But actually I looked at something on Instagram and I don't have it in front of me, but I believe they said that every single demographic besides white men, like any I can't I don't think it was any demographic, but it was like a list of certain like groups of people and they had all increased in their vote for Trump since the last election, particularly white women. It was a huge increase, yes. which I'm like why in the fuck? There's a white 4% women? Inque- increase for uh, white women. Um, and so even though we can say like this isn't the conservative America I know or this isn't the Republican, you know, that we grew up with. <laughs> you all out here, 50 yeah. fucking percent of our country voted for this man. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Like fuck all of your performative allyship. Yep. Fuck all of your black squares that you posted for mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. Fuck all of that because clearly... Clearly, the numbers, I mean, and granted, even though this was a historic turnout as far as voters, um, 
it still was what like one third of the it, number of um of pe- the population of the the United States. So yeah. maybe there's a, a bunch of people who didn't vote. You know what I mean? But that's a problem too. It's it's upsetting that there was that there wasn't the gap that we wanted between the candidates. That's the most upsetting thing is that there's still enough people after the year that we've had with him as our president that still see him as adequate enough to run our country for the next four years. Or just that their interests are important enough to the rest of it doesn't really matter. I mean, I think that that's really what it is. I think that a lot of conservatives or Republicans will say, I don't like the man. I don't like him. But is he going to is he going to appoint Supreme Court seats that are going to serve my interests? Is he going to is he going to be for, you know, pro-life? Is there you know, there's a lot of um, different reasons for people and also something that I wasn't really aware of much but they've been talking a lot about it on CNN there's been a few people that have discussed it and it was something that I talked about with my friend Rose a few weeks ago she has family from Venezuela so hearing Trump calling Biden a socialist Mm -hmm. is very scary to them there's this Mm -hmm. threat with communism and things like that so that's the other thing that I didn't really think about and wasn't aware of where there is an entire demographic where they don't necessarily agree with Trump as the man but the but the policies and the fact that he's not going to be socialist or communist is comforting (laughs) you know he's going to be an authoritarian exactly like that's the that's the problem but it's it's yes I've I've heard that that he's done that works you know and I understand that like and that's been the case with Venezuela, Cubans, um, you know, Venezuelans, Cubans, Nicaraguans, like they have all come out um, in large numbers for oh my this gosh, election. She's, she's from for Nicaragua, Trump. not Venezuela. I had to fix that, especially because she's my friend. <laughs> but like those numbers have come out like they've all come out in big numbers, right, for this election. And so I understand that. However, just like I would say to fucking anybody do your own research. Oh, Everyone should yes. be educating themselves before this election. Everyone should have educated themselves and really take a hard look. We've got Biden, who is nowhere near a socialist. Biden is a moderate. He is a middle of the road, moderate Democrat. Yeah. Um, he is not even left leaning, really. And on the other side, you have a nationalist authoritarian so yeah. anybody who's really going to look and say, what what do we really have to be afraid of? Is who's going to undermine our, our democracy? If you really had done the research, yeah. which you should have done. Right. But I, that's the thing is that I just don't think that uh, a large percent of our population cares to do the research. It's more based off of the same way that we've chosen presidents for you know, generations, it's, you know, it's like, it's like ability, it's policy, it's these, it's these little things that people hang on to, to make themselves feel better about voting for somebody, even if they don't necessarily agree with them. And I think that's where a lot of these votes are coming, because it's like, yes, maybe they don't agree with the racism exactly, and things like that, because I know that that's a big thing that Republicans uh, fight against being white supremacists and racists and things like that. But like we've said forever, your vote says otherwise, you know? Right. I mean, if it quacks like a duck, swims like a duck, you know what I mean? Like, you can't, there is at some point, you have to really take a good hard look at yourself. And I'm saying that like, as somebody with relatives who definitely voted for Trump, you know, um, we need to start taking a look at our family members. Um, Right. It's just, that's where we're at right now. And I I mean, I think the only way that we're going to heal as well is if we're given the opportunity to heal, and that would be through 
Joe Biden right now, which is why I know, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic. And even saying optimistic is a little bit of a stretch, but I don't know how else to describe how I feel. But I just feel that if we could just get to this, obviously, having a different president is not going to fix everything. But I just hope that through time, at least making one step can slowly get us toward unity because that's one thing that I've really appreciated over the last three days with Joe Biden is that every time he's spoken, he's spoken not as, um, you know, someone who's campaigning, but as someone who's already talking about unifying us as a country. And that's going right. to be the most important thing for us to get together and to have those conversations to learn as a country and grow as a country instead of growing further and further apart, which is what our current president is enforcing. Absolutely. I mean, I will say... The, it doesn't stop here. I, I do think Joe Biden is going to win this election, you know, universe willing. Um, Knock I really on some do. wood right now, Keegan. That's, <laughs> that is how I feel. I do think that he will win this election. Um, and I will say that having watched his speeches, I felt the same way. It felt like this felt like a, a presidential person, right, who was speaking on behalf of all Americans, not Democrats or Republicans, which is refreshing and, you know, yeah. amazing. And he However, wasn't chastising the people that didn't vote for him. He said, you know, I welcome you as well. And the, just unity of, of his speech was wonderful. A- absolutely. And I'm I, incredibly relieved <laughs> by that. Um, and I look forward to having that in a president. Yeah. However, um, I do want, I do have a little bit of a fear of, Biden winning this election and then people going back to sleep because the immediate fire is out. You know what I mean? Because it's like just because we've managed to like get the fire under control doesn't mean that our work is done. There's still so much to do. Um, Yeah. Biden isn't going to do the things that we as progressives really want done, especially when it comes to, you know, racial issues, um, police reform and things like that. So just keep your eyes open no matter what happens. Yeah. and, And people are going to be more politically charged I feel like in an election year anyways in the election year that we've had it in particular uh we've been very 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 politically charged there's been a rise in you know advocacy and activism and things like that and it's gonna die down especially if we get Biden as a president like it's just what's gonna happen but I do have to say that it's the people that um, listen to the show. It's the people that talk to their friends and their family about these things. That it's, it's the people that really have the, this movement and this faith in their hearts that are going to keep going. And that's what's the most important. You know, we don't always need, you know, as much as we would love the voices of millions every single time something happens, as long as we have the people who are willing to dedicate their lives and do the work, we're going to keep moving forward. And I think because we keep reminding everybody that it's not done, you know, (laughs) we're going to keep reminding you that it's not done, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that kind of leads me to, let's talk about some positive outcomes. Yes, I made a big, long list of good things. Awesome. (laughs) As we've said, um, right now we're still waiting on results. We're waiting on Nevada. The memes are giving me life for real. Um, And we are now waiting on Georgia. Dude, Uh, Georgia and Pennsylvania for me are the ones that I care more about. Like Nevada, you've got six electoral votes. Like I can wait on you. I want to know what Georgia and Pennsylvania are going to do. Well, Pennsylvania, I'm not feeling a lot of... I mean, I'm just not there yet as far as feeling a lot of hope for Pennsylvania. People sound hopeful, and I'm like, I don't feel that yet. I mean, we'll see, because (laughs) there's a lot of votes yet to be counted, and most of them will probably be for Biden. So we'll see how that goes. But right now, Georgia 
it's tied. We are in a tie <laughs> um, right now. So it is 49.4% for both Trump um, and Biden. And Biden is only trailing by less than 2,000 votes right now. And there are still something like 70,000 to be counted. Yeah. Um, so Biden could very well uh, take Georgia. I think it's actually quite likely that he will, since what they're counting now are mail-in votes in in suburban areas um or like urban areas rather like um atlanta yeah so yeah exactly we'll see and then that's the thing is that we're getting down to the wire with these mail-in votes and that's the thing that's really you know what people like you and i are looking the most forward to so it's very hard Mm. to peel our eyes away from the tv but let's get into those mail-in votes just right on the mouth i know right let's get into some good positive outcomes so yes this one i was very excited about um voters in mississippi voted to replace their state flag um that displayed the confederate flag so it was Uh the only state flag that had the confederate flag on it which is ludicrous that that has even been a thing for so long um but they did vote to replace it uh, and the new flag received 68 percent of the vote and it has a magnolia on it um so that will be going up in replace of that flag soon that is beautiful Um, I was very, very excited to hear when Sarah McBride became the first trans state senator in U.S. history is freaking crazy. I know, right? She is Delaware's new state senator. She is only 30 years old and has spent her career as an LGBTQ activist. I've got to say a lot of the people on this list are making me feel like I have not accomplished enough yet in my life. I'm for sure. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. On Tuesday Um, night, she tweeted, I hope tonight shows an LGBTQ kid that our democracy is big enough for them, too. It's beautiful. Um, So the squad, AOC, Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib all held their seats in Congress and by landslides. Um, And they were also joined, and this one makes me very proud as well, Mm -hmm. by um, Black Lives Matter activist Cori Bush. Yes, from Missouri. Um, Yes, and she's the first African-American woman to hold a seat in Congress in Missouri. And I know that she really gained steam over the summer as a Black Lives Matter activist and also a nurse who was working through this pandemic. Yeah. So that's extremely exciting. Yeah, and she's incredibly progressive. She is working toward the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, and all other kinds of progressive causes. In Missouri, which is a big, big, big deal. So you get a wah, 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 as well. (laughs) Um, Daniela Levine Cava was the first woman mayor of Miami-Dade County, which is freaking insane to be the first woman mayor. Uh, Amazing. She beat her opponent who publicly supports Donald Trump, which is just another kick in the nuts. Mm, mm, Icing on the cake. mm -hmm. In her speech on Tuesday night, she said, Miami-Dade's glass ceiling has been shattered. Yeah, girl. Yes, queen. Mm -hmm. Um, Cannabis was on the ballot in five states, and it passed in all of them. So Arizona and New Jersey legalized for anyone over 21. Do you know what I'm... Montana... Oh, so go ahead. I was going to say, do you know what I'm going to say about it being legal in New Jersey? Oh, everything is legal in New Jersey. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony and I actually say that all the time. Really? That's so funny. (laughs) Everything is legal in New Jersey. Um, Montana legalized recreational use. South Dakota legalized medical and recreational use. And Mississippi legalized medical use. Fuck yes. That is something for me like... That just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't hurt. And it's, if I did not have 
marijuana. I, I don't know how many times I've said this on this podcast. If I didn't have marijuana this pandemic, I would not be sitting here right now. I swear, I would be in a I would be in a nut house somewhere if I didn't have something besides. Well, I gotta tell you, man, <sighs> I didn't smoke at all while I was away. Yeah, and I came back and I smoked and I had a panic attack. I was gonna so say I'm not smoking. I was gonna say <laughs> you like you, you and I have talked about this. If you haven't done it in a while, and I didn't smoke for like years like six or seven years really and and I really like you guys know I love wine so I would drink a bunch of wine and then I would smoke with Max when we first started dating and I would get so sick twisted oh yeah I finally I don't drink much anymore I just smoke which is you know I'll have like a beer or two sometimes at night and I just kind Mm -hmm. of smoke as needed and it keeps me level-headed because when I drink I swear it makes me crazier well, I mean, <sighs> yeah, just because weed gives me anxiety sometimes and I need to know my own limits <laughs> when that when that comes into play. Um, I agree. I think it's ridiculous that um, cannabis hasn't been yeah. you know, either legalized or decriminalized throughout the whole country. Like yeah. the damage that we all do to our bodies drinking. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like, that's OK. 100%. But you can't smoke weed. It's insane. Yeah. So big wins in those five states. Yes. Uh, Maury Turner Uh, was elected to Oklahoma State House, making her one of the first non-binary state lawmakers in America and one of the first Muslim... and one of the first Muslim people to serve in Oklahoma's state legislature. She is only 27 years old. Yep. She is mm-hmm. she is queer. She is black. She is Muslim. She is intersectional as fuck. Dorothy is mm. getting psyched right now. Dorothy is really Look happy that we're talking about out. the good news. Sorry if you could hear her like breathing into the microphone. <laughs> Never um, apologize for that. She's excited. <laughs> but it's it's that is so amazing to me because Oklahoma is a super red state so we have this like red red yes like young black queer Muslim woman like Mm -hmm. non-binary the first non-binary legislator amazing such an amazing thing we've got Tara Simmons who is a lawyer and an activist who became the um she became the first formally incarcerated state representative in Washington state. Now, this is one that I hadn't really heard about at all before. So nine years ago, she was sentenced to time in prison on theft and drug crimes. And since her release, she has become a registered nurse and went on to become a lawyer. She won a spot on the Washington Supreme Court after the state bar tried to keep her from practicing. On Tuesday, she became the first previously convicted felon to be elected to the state legislation in Washington. She tweeted from the big house to the state house which I just yes. love and it shows you know how rehabilitation can be such a positive amazing thing and we need somebody who has experienced incarceration to help us with prison reform as well so I think 100%. that could be a really positive thing and with that said um, I didn't write it down but there was a measure that passed here in California that allows previously incarcerated people to vote yeah. which is huge 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 huge, huge, um, huge. and amazing They've also um, lowered drug penalties and shortened prison sentences for certain crimes in California as well. Uh, We're going a little bit long, so I'm going to mention a a few more people that were kind of of trailblazers during this election, and that is Michelle Rayner, who became the first LGBTQ woman of color to be elected to the Florida legislature. Legislature. (laughs) Taylor Small is 26 years old and became the first trans person to be elected to Vermont state legislature 
to Vermont state legislature. I really hate that word, legislature. Les- yeah, it's really hard to say, actually. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go into all of these because it's going to go too long, but I'm going to mention Kim Jackson, Nita Allum, Rich Torres, and Mondaire Jones. Uh, the fact that Colorado voted no on a proposition that would have made performing an abortion after 22 weeks illegal, and that proposition lost by 80%, which is amazing. So Colorado really came through on their abor- on their abortion laws. And Florida voters passed an amendment that will bring the minimum wage up to $15. It's going to be a slow process, but by 2026, the minimum wage will be $15 in Florida. So those are the positive things that happened on Tuesday because we don't have anything you else went to out. give. <laughs> yeah, you went out. Did you mention um, that Democrats did gain two new Senate seats? I um, did not. John Hickenlooper flipped Colorado's Senate seat and Mark Kelly flipped Arizona's. So it is a still a largely Republican Senate. Yeah. However, we did manage to flip two seats, which is not nothing. It's not nothing, but it is it's a bit unprecedented to if, if Biden wins for him to go into a split House and Senate, which I didn't realize, but I guess that's something that is not very common typically when a new president comes in they have the house and the senate behind them i guess well none of this is very common no. i mean it, and i it, it's all like it's so crazy like um if biden wins georgia it will be the first time since 1992 wow. that georgia has gone blue wow so i since mean clinton wow that's yep yep that's pretty cr- i mean honestly uh, no, I mean, they should have come through for Obama. So I was going to say that makes sense, but I don't know. It, it really is amazing to see how some of these red states and some of these sectors of the red states, like looking at Maine and Nevada, you know, seeing how the different counties and the different parts of the state uh, have very different views is mm-hmm. very, I mean, this mm-hmm. has all been incredibly educational for me. So as much as I feel like my brain is turning into mush, I definitely feel like this election has taught me a lot about Um, Right. The whole process more than any other election ever has. Here's what I'll say. I really hope that when the midterms come along, um, should Biden win this presidency, especially uh, we really got to flip that Senate because we got to get rid of this Electoral College, dude. We got to get rid of it. If if we didn't have the Electoral College, Biden would have won a long time ago. A long time ago. Popular vote. It is so funny because, you know, I take care of a third grader and he's taking uh, government classes right now. So it's just so fitting. And his teacher did such an amazing job at explaining the Electoral College to him. And he came out and I was just kind of sitting at the table where I usually wait in case he needs any of my help or things like that. And he's just like, I don't think the Electoral College should be a thing. And I was just like, snaps for you, buddy. Yeah. And he had no idea. And I was just like, yes. And he was like, "Okay, I said the right thing. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's like, that doesn't make sense. And, you know, it it doesn't. It's an outdated system. That's what I was going to say. It made sense at one point. One vote. Every every person should get a vote and everybody's vote should matter equally. We are the American people and nobody's vote should matter more than anyone else's. Right. Um, but you know what? It won't happen as long as Republicans have a say in it mm-hmm. because they have not won the popular vote. Yeah. For the past <laughs> in a what, very, seven, very long time. Seven elections or something like that. They've yes, been in a very, very long time. So um they 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 know that they can't win. They will not be able to maintain power if every single person in this country who is voting has a voice and their voice is equal. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it's gosh. it's a lot. It, there's a lot. There's a lot of work to do, but I know that the first step is going to be Biden. So I'm ready yep. to go sit in front of my TV for a little while longer before I Oof, girl get ready nah. for another day. <laughs> 
Oh, I man, can't, I don't know. I can't watch anything else. I've listened to a few podcasts, but had the TV on mute. But I really, I haven't watched anything else. I've pretty I've been much, tapping out early. I'm like, I'm, mm, if something important happens, I'll see it on Instagram I, or Twitter. Right. I'm very proud of you. I just can't. Max and I both are just like, we can't look away. I can't look away. Like, it's driving us insane, but we cannot, we can't look away. Well, I guess that that's a good thing to say. Final finally (laughs) let's just say um everybody take care of yourselves everybody take care of your mental health and in the days to come no matter who wins there's going to be violence most likely Uh um there's going to be unrest so everybody just be safe be careful yeah um, and just keep the faith dude just keep the faith keep the faith we all just have to hunker down and be there for each other as much as we possibly can Yep. Oh, Keegan, it is so good to have you back. Yay! I'm so happy to be back. That's good. (laughs) Everybody, thank you so much. We actually got quite a bit of reviews as uh, during the time that you were away. So I want to encourage everybody to keep doing that. It really, really helps us the most. So go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It means so much to us. And then go over to Facebook and leave us a review there on the business page and then chat with the other listeners in the group page. Uh, you can reach out to us through email at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com and on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist and direct message us there if you want to. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. We, what else do we have, Keegan? Oh, I think the only other thing I have to say is if you don't already listen to us on Radio Public, it's a free way for you to listen and it helps us out just a little bit. All right, with all of that being said, we encourage you to rage rage on. on. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.